You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Panera Bread is now delivering in Raleigh. That means broccoli cheddar soup, roasted turkey and avocado BLT, and all your other favorites are delivered right to your office or door or porch or backyard or front yard, or dorm, or wherever. For lunch, dinner, and everywhere in between. Order today at PaneraBread.com or download the app. Participating locations only. Panera, food as it should be. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, Quick heads up and then we'll get started. We're going to do the first hour. will be the power hour. And if you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all, go ahead and press 1 on your phone right now, and we'll get to you. But the calls are starting to come in. might be a little lighter today because of the holidays, so this may be a good opportunity for you to get through. Uh, If we have enough questions, we'll do a second hour of general questions. So no matter what you've got right now, any question, comment, topic, anything you want to talk about, Press 1 on your phone. If you do it right now, I guarantee we'll get through, uh, and I'll keep you updated as we go along. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it here on the show. Today is the Power Hour, so this is the show where we answer all of your questions about engines, performance, modifications, troubleshooting, maintenance, you name it, and Joining us to do that, we have Ethan and Leroy and Bruce from Pittsburgh Power. Hey, guys, welcome back. Oh, thank you. We're doing just fine. Good, good. Great to have you here, as always. We've got a little different crew. What's what's John goofing off doing today? Uh, No, I'm actually here. We had a little mistake there. Oh, there you are. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We have... You have the whole bunch today, then, huh? No, no, Ethan. No, Ethan. Uh, We've got Ethan trapped in the dino room right now. Oh, got it. All right. So it's the usual suspects. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. The troublemakers. That's right. That's right. So what kind of trouble can we cause today, or what kind of trouble did you guys get into this last week? Well, we Uh, have the Iowa 80 truck show coming up next week in Walcott. I think it'll be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday again, like it has been. You know, they upped it from two days to three days, so that's always a fun event. It's always nice to meet with owner-operators with their trucks as they're passing through. 
Yeah, you know, that's a that's always an interesting show. It's a little more casual than most shows, and, and you do get a lot of people just dropping in since it's right there on the interstate and at the truck stop. So that one's, that one's always kind of fun. It's just uh, that schedule never works for us anymore. <laughs> it's one of our favorites. Uh, we love looking at the antique trucks. It's nice when somebody redoes an A-model Kenworth or a 359 Pete because it brings back so many great memories we had working on the big cams in those trucks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else is so, going on? Let, John? We are just David finishing Roy? up a install and a tune of one of our uh, VG turbo retrofits on the dyno right now. That's what we've got uh, Ethan back there finishing that up as we speak. That belongs to one of the community members here. Yeah. And uh, what else have we got going on this week? Um, you caught me in the machine shop making a making a part. We've found a number of these uh, Cat 6NZs after they got some miles on them. They spring an oil leak out the front of the front cover, and it comes through one of the studs that holds the uh, fan tub on. So I've taken to modifying those and cutting O-ring, O-ring grooves in them and uh, putting them back in with that, and that, that solves that leak without having to pull the whole front structure apart and reseal it. So you caught me on the wow. lathe when you called this morning saying the show was earlier. I was pushing in one of those up for, for one of our mechanics as we speak. Um, aside from that, not a whole lot new this past week in the shop that I can think of. Anything on your well, mind? I got my pack car software installed. Oh, yeah, Leroy's got fun. all the pack car software installed. So if you've got a pack car with a check engine light out there, get it over here. I want to test drive it. <laughs> so That'll be fun. Leroy's yeah. itching to use it. So. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have somebody out there with a pack car engine with a check engine light on, so we'll send them in. I, I hope. That took me all day to install. <laughs> that was okay, in vain. Let's talk a little bit more, John. Be a little more specific to where this oil leak is on the Caterpillars, and is it only the 6NZ or is it the 5EKs up through the 2WSs? I'm sure it's all of them. There's a um, There's a gasket on the front cover on the front structure, kind of toward the center, and there's a stud that goes through it that squeezes the middle of that cover and keeps it tight. And inevitably, I don't know if it stresses from the fan hub or what, but we've seen four of them in the last, I don't know, month and a half or two months uh, since we had Pat's truck in here was the first one we saw. It starts to leak around that seal there in the center, and and it wicks the oil right through right around the stud, and if you've got a fan hub, like most of them have a slot there, there's no way for it to seal up on the outside against that, and it just uh, pours oil right out of there. No bueno. Yeah, it doesn't work well at all. So that's a that's a big job to pull that thing off and reseal it, and I've got to believe that it'll start leaking again in a few hundred thousand miles, to be honest with you. I think just something something causes that to move around and start to leak. So, yeah, we, t- we just uh, took the stud, and I machined some O-ring grooves in it and sized up some O-rings that fit and get a nice, nice snug fit there and it seems to have sealed them up nicely the one we did last week was one on on one of uh kenny chesney's tour uh tour trucks one of the one of the guys who hauls all of his lighting around came in oh yeah and uh took good care of our mechanic as well gave him a bunch of tickets and, and passes Got and cups. things for the yeah it gave the whole shop t-shirts and and all sorts of I stuff i didn't get a t-shirt you didn't get there was a whole pile of them on what? on Corey's desk so, but yeah, it seems to be it seems to solve that problem. So, if you've got a a mystery leak on the front of your your cat, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, we can tell you exactly where it is or bring it in. We'll fix it for you. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to machine up a few of those and keep them on the shelf ready to go in. I'm going to go find some shirts. And uh, so, 
we the first time we did that, and the fellow came in for a front seal, and and when we did it on a, another customer of ours, we came in and they immediately just stuck a front seal on the thing, and he came back a week later and said, "Hey, this thing still leaks." And uh, yeah, it turns out it's not the front seal. Got it. You know, th- this is a great example of why I encourage people to find a, a really good and and I really like independent shops and build that relationship, this is a fix you're just not going to get anywhere else. I mean, nobody, I, I just don't know of another shop that's going to take the time to identify something like this and figure out a better way to fix it, and one that costs the customer a lot less. Yeah, don't get me wrong, not that we don't want the billable hours, but I, you know, if there's nothing else wrong with yeah. it, I, I don't see <laughs> taking the money. I'd rather take his money for a manifold or a turbo or something else than, exactly. uh, than reseal yeah. his front cover. So, yeah. Boring. Exactly. But you, Kevin, this is how we've built our business over the last 39 years, was always finding cures. We started out finding cures for the NH250s and the 270s and 290s and 300s, small cam engines, big cam engines. And it was always, uh, sometimes we'd get a call from Cummins Engineering, like on CPL217, which was a small cam 290. And they said, there's nothing you can do with that engine. I mean, it is just a dud. Well, when you put the 400 pistons and injectors and fuel pump and turbo on it, and we did a lot of these for local triaxle dump trucks running the hills of western PA on two-lane roads, we were getting 6.2 mile per gallon out of a triaxle dump on that engine running it at 400 horsepower, which was a base 290, and Cummins Engineering said that it was a dud. And also that 838, 840 CPL big cam that's in my truck that you drove, they told us that was a dud, and that engine had no hope. That turned out to be a phenomenal engine for us. So we've had several of those that the, even the engineers thought that couldn't work. So you know, when I yeah, see situations and, and, like that... Oh, go on, Kevin. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I've spent you know most of my working life being a small businessman, and I know these guys need to get on the road as soon as possible and have to watch every penny they spend. And I've got a feeling there's not a huge margin in what they're doing. So you know, I'm I'm forever you know going to be in that mode and see that you know I'm going to try to find the simple, effective solution that that they cost them the less, the least. And you know, again, that does free up if they've got some budget, then that frees some of it up for, you know, some other things we'd like to do for them or some things to get them a little better fuel mileage, a little better performance. Yeah, again, like I said, just I love that approach that, you know, and there's a, a great analogy here with what we're doing on the, the health side because if you look at shops tend to many times when the truck comes in, something's wrong with it. Many times, all they're doing is covering up a symptom, and then the problem comes back, or we get a different problem. And in, you know, I feel like the medical community—that's all they ever do. They cover up symptoms. They give us a drug. You have this symptom. We'll give you a drug. It covers it up. Probably causes two more problems. And the real answer in both cases is to find Bruce. This is what you said: the cure. Find what's yes. wrong. Find the problem. And fix the problem. Don't just keep covering up symptoms. I say if you put a Band-Aid on skin cancer, does the skin cancer go away? The answer is no. No, not at all. And, and, and that's, 
we, we, we just got used to the fact that that's what happens. And it happens with trucks. You, we, the check engine light comes on, you pull in the shop, they do something. They don't really take the time to find the base problem. What's the root cause of what's going wrong? They, if they can get the light to go off, it must be good. And you go down the road and, you know, in 100 miles, the light's back on. And we're not getting to the root cause of the problem. It would be like putting a new seal on this cover, John, and you think it's probably going to leak again. I think you're right, because you just addressed the root cause of the problem. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come right back, and we'll get to your calls and questions. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got uh, guys from Pittsburgh Power here with me. We're going to get to your calls and questions here. Anything else, guys, or should we get to some calls? Uh, John, do you want to talk to them about the soot trap, or are we too premature on that invention? We're a little premature on that. I've been busy with enough other things right now that I have not got my prototype built. I do have a pile of parts sitting on the floor of my office right now. And I'd like to get started on it later this week, so I'm just going to shoot for having something on display at Dallas for that. Okay, good. But uh, look forward. Yeah, some to of the that. things that I ordered in for it weren't exactly what I wanted, and uh, some other things are back ordered right now. So I've got a few pieces I'm waiting for right now. And as soon as I get that, I'll assemble that and we'll test it out, and uh, hopefully have a display model ready for Dallas. Hopefully, that's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan, right? All right. Plan, well, yep. let's uh, let's see what uh, let's see what kind of questions we've got this week. Let's start off in South Dakota. Robert, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a couple of problems with my truck that I think are directly related to each other. First, okay, I've got an ISX. It's got all the emissions removed. No EGR cooler, none of that stuff anymore. For about the last year, year and a half, I've had back pressure building in my radiator. Uh, it'll drop clear down below the sensor, say that I'm low on antifreeze. I open the cap and it goes right back up to full. Even if it's been sitting off for two days, it's still got that pressure. I open the cap, it goes up. And now on my last oil sample, I was showing high sodium and potassium. They told me sample at a half interval, it went down. My recent oil sample I just did, it went clear up to 518 on the sodium, clear off the chart. 
Yeah, what am that's I a pretty good indication that? the coolant's getting into the oil. Yeah, we're right. pretty sure you've got a you're pretty sure you've got a cracked head. A cracked head. Yeah, that's pretty pretty common on the ISX, especially if you're making any kind of power. What that? Especially if you're making any kind of power, they they crack straight from the opening in the the head where the injector protrudes through, right over to the uh, valves, right to the valve openings. Quite often, see cracks right there. And so the pressure you're feeling, you're you've got you're trapping some pressure in the cooling system somewhere. You've got air acting like an expansion tank. So you've right. got air or compression that came from the pistons uh, sitting there somewhere. That's why the level goes up and down when you open the cap. So you've got some trapped air in there. So it's probably a fine enough crack that you're leaking uh, compression into the cooling system and probably not a whole lot of coolant back the other way because uh, you know, you've got a tremendous amount of uh, pressure in the in the cylinder and not a whole lot in the cooling system. So it's uh, working like a check valve almost. So you're pressurizing the system. Uh, with compression, and so you're also leaking a little bit into the oil now. You see the potassium levels coming up, so that's so you've got a little bit of uh, coolant getting into the oil as well. Okay. But with what we've learned from the ISXs, especially if they're making power, they'll they'll tend to to crack heads, and depending on the amount of advance the tune uh, that's on it's got in it, uh, it'll it, it could happen a little more rapidly. If they're doing what, they'll crack heads. If if the tune has a whole lot of advance, timing advance in it, it increases cylinder pressure. You put the fuel into the cylinder you know, farther away from top dead center, then you're going to burn more fuel as the piston's on its way up, and you will create a little more, more pressure, cylinder more pressure. Heat. And more heat. Yep. More knocks. Okay. Curiosity, how long will an engine last that way before it's going to be a bigger problem? You're going to eventually have some temperature issues. And, and then the coolant getting into the oil is going to cause you some other issues. So you could, uh, I'd take care of it as soon as possible. You should think about getting that uh, truck into our shop so we can look at the program and see what they did with the timing codes on that engine. Okay. This is also a good time, like, Today, this morning, dump a gallon of Lucas in that. It'll protect from that uh, from the coolant. Okay, in the engine oil, Lucas. Yes. Yeah. Put the, okay. the Lucas. Put a little Lucas, a gallon in there, and that'll while and still get it fixed as soon as possible. But that'll protect from the uh, the coolant stripping out the zinc. Give you a little more viscosity. Okay. I used to run Lucas, and then listening to Kevin kind of didn't sound like I needed to run it unless there's an issue to run it for, but right. I'll go back to running right. it. Yeah. yeah, I don't like running it in a healthy engine because it just increases viscosity, and we don't need that in a healthy engine. But if we get fuel right. or coolant in the oil, that extra viscosity is nice. Gotcha. Okay. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Minnesota. Gary, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. I have a question on Evans Coolant, and my question is, put it in my Detroit 60 series and instead and leave the top. I want to put the, like, maybe five degrees hotter for the top end for thermostats just leave the program so the fan kicks on up there the same, but raise the bottom up 
so that the fan, when it coming, when the fan kicks on and comes back down, it doesn't come all the way back down to the 180 or whatever it kicks out at. With that, with the Evans, would that create so when I'm in the mountains that it doesn't kick on so often and put, pull the heat away from the cylinders because it's not bubbling against the cylinders, the sleeves. How how hot are you getting right now on your standard colon? Uh, just by looking at the mechanical gauge, it's going like 210. It's kick, The 210. fan is kicking on. The, the fan is kicking on about, it seems like it's kicking on about 205. It's 205. like, you know, just by, just by looking at the mechanical gauge. I didn't, I have the, the KR deal, but I've never, I don't have it on the temperature. Do you have 180 thermostats or 190s? Whatever whatever Detroit put in it when they rebuilt it in 2014 when I blew it up on Halloween. When you're going down a level interstate, are you seeing 190 more than 180? No. No, it's always at 180. It's always at 180 until I get into the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like it does have 180 stats. It takes 16 degrees to fully open a thermostat. So that means you're opening full at 196, and the fan's coming on at 205. I'm just curious if, curious if the Evans would pull the heat away from the cylinder walls better than the normal antifreeze. Now, not, they say nothing cools better than water. Right. Yeah. So water cools the best, so then the ethylene, the ethylene glycol antifreeze with the water would be the best in cooling. The Evans just doesn't boil. John, do you have any experience in the race car industry with Evans? I do, and it causes me to question you guys using it in the trucking industry, to be honest with you. Um, we the, should or the we Evans, should or shouldn't. <laughs> I said it causes me to question it. The, the advantage to Evans in, in motorsport was that uh, it, it doesn't need any wetting agents, so you, you don't have any localized boiling. What the Evans does, and it, Evans is a product called propylene glycol, it's got a much higher boiling point, and it decreases what you have, what you call the vapor barrier. Uh, so there's a vapor barrier normally if you're running water or either water or ethylene glycol mix. So you basically have what they call localized boiling on the outside of the, the liners, and that's accepted, and it's accounted for, and we know it's there. And so running at 180 with an acceptable amount of vapor barrier, the internal temperatures are where the engineers want it for the engine. You put the Evans in, you've actually, even though your gauge temperatures may go higher, your actual physical temperatures, because the stuff does not have a vapor barrier, there is no localized boiling, your internal temperatures are cooler. So uh, that may or may not be an advantage. I don't see it as an advantage. I think you're probably a little too cool and probably affects combustion uh, in 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 a harmful way. So that's why where my problem with the Evans is um, if you were to do a proper Evans system, as we had in motorsport, what it did in motorsport was allowed us to run a higher gauge temperature, though our internal temperatures of the engine were, you know, at least in the where, where the combustion chamber is concerned, were where they should be. Now, you've got other stuff that's now hotter than it used to be, which could lead to a problem. But it enabled us to run smaller radiators, smaller plumbing, you know, an old Cummins with a low-flow cooling would be an excellent candidate for Evans, but you'd have to go through and recalibrate everything and get used to seeing much higher temperatures on your gauges. And and you'd have to then have the confidence that your uh, the internal temperatures are lower. 
Yeah, the Evans is taking more of the heat, not the part. Exactly. Yeah, the Evans does take the heat away, so you're going to see higher temperatures. That's my opinion of Evans. That's you know, and I've got a fair amount of experience in motorsport. Actually, good experience with it. The Mazda rotary engines that really had a, a very uh, small uh, water jacket was nearly enough, and in a huge combustion chamber, that whole thing's a combustion chamber basically. The Evans really solved the problem for us. But yep. uh, here in trucks, I don't see it. And not to say that if you spend more time on it, you got used to running higher gauge temperatures, you might be able to make it work. But something uh, I don't see. Okay. All right. There's the music. Let me get to a break. We will be right back with more for calls and questions. Stick around. Kevin Rodgers. Again. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Today's the power hour. We've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power here. We're answering all of your engine-related questions. We're going to get back to the calls right now. We're off to North Carolina. John, welcome to the program. Hello? Yep. Are you with me? Hello? Yeah, hey, Kevin. Oh, hey there. I think he's guided. What can we help you with today? Well, actually, you got Mike here. And uh, oh, Okay. Well, Mike, your Mike. turn. Go ahead. <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> good. Well, I was, good. Good, good. Hey, I, I'm the guy I've been calling for a few weeks, a month now, actually, about ordering my glider kit. And um went ahead and uh, decided to go ahead and go with these uh, wide base singles, the new uh, Michelin X1 line, Kevin. And okay. uh, at first they, they spec the truck with those Goodyear Dura seals. And, you know, I always fan of going with them, you know, uh, Goodyear tire. But, uh, you know, after seeing how good Michelin's been to the tribe and giving away that whole set of wheels and tires at the CMC, uh, I figure I'd go ahead and uh, try these Michelins out. And uh, basically, I just had a, a couple of questions about those real quick, Kevin. Uh, basically, uh, uh, how has how this uh, new generation improved over the previous? And uh, in terms of uh, wet weather and uh, winter handling, um, what's your experience been with the wide base singles? So, first off, on uh, Michelin's entire line of tires, all their truck tires, I, I think they – Right now, I think they're kind of to the point where they've pushed the limit on rolling resistance. I just don't know that they have anything major that's going to lower rolling resistance. They have about the lowest on the market in almost all the tire categories. So they turn their focus to tire life uh, on, on the entire line. So most of their new generation of tires 
it has a 20 to 30 percent additional tire life over the previous version. And in most of them, they either kept the rolling resistance the same or it might have gone up a point or two, not enough to worry about it. So that was their big push in, in all the new updates was extended tire life. And so far, the results we're getting back are pretty darn amazing on the, the new uh, generation steer tires. We're seeing guys get well over 200,000 miles on a steer tire, which is just amazing. And the drive tires so far seem to be returning the same kind of results. So uh, just better value. We we keep the good fuel mileage, and now we have a tire that's lasting a lot longer. So that's really what you're looking at in their, their new line of tires. As far as handling goes, this was where I got the chance to get onto their proving ground and uh, in on a what they call their wet track. So it's this oval track, and they've got the biggest sprinkler system I've ever seen in my life, and they literally flood the track. And the sprinklers are going the whole time you're driving on this thing, so it's kind of a wild ride. And we were able to take a... We did it on a straight truck. So it was a class eight, but they put a, a straight truck body on it and they set up two of them. One of them with good Michelin duels. These were really good tires. And then the Michelin wide singles. And what we got to do is we got to go out and put the truck into a slide on the oval and see how they would handle when it would break loose. And once it broke loose, how did it handle? The interesting thing was they both tires broke loose at almost the exact same speed. And the difference was when they broke loose, how it handled after that. So with the duels, as it broke loose, it was really hard to handle. They, it would, if you let off the throttle just a little bit, it would snap back hard and almost tend to go in the other direction. If you stayed into the throttle, it, it would start to slide too far. And with the wide single, it would break loose at about the same speed on the oval. But when it did, you had this really nice controlled drift. It was really much easier to handle the, the slide once you lost traction. And it just felt a whole lot easier. And the other thing was we were pushing in order to get those tires to break loose, even with lots of water on the track, the, to get them to break loose, we were going way faster than you ever should be in those kind of conditions on the road. So most people will never know what the limit of those tires are. And that's the cool thing about getting out on the track. You get to push that limit to see what it is and then see what happens. And, Every test we did, the wide single performed better. Man, that's great to hear. I'm excited about them. I went with the Michelin X Multi Energy Z on the front here, and then the uh, the rear, I went with the Michelin X One Line uh, Energy D, and um, that uh, that should be a, a great package. I'm really looking forward to it. And I've I've heard you say nothing but good things about them, so uh, really excited to hear that. Uh, I, uh, I I knew you had been on the test track with them, but you still get the naysayers, and it seems like there's no convincing them. Uh, one thing I'm really excited about with the 400-pound uh, weight savings they're seeing over the conventional duels, and uh, I pulled a paper load uh, from North Georgia this morning and 
was sitting there having to go back and forth on the scales at the paper mill. Uh, FedEx wasn't running because of the holiday and was having to go back and forth on the scales. And I was thinking if I had those uh, X1 line tires with the 400-pound weight savings, I could just scale it out so much easier. Yeah, I think there are uh, – you know, I, I adopted the wide singles the first year they came out um, on some trucks, and then on the single axles I waited a while, and I, I wish I would have just put them all on at the same time. And I I always – thought there were lots of advantages the weight savings the rolling resistance the ease of checking and maintaining pressure i thought was a really nice advantage not always screwing around with that inside tire and but people would say oh they handle bad and and i certainly never noticed that even on the single axles pulling doubles we didn't notice any handling issues but again you you don't know most of us never get to push anything far enough to really know what handles better. And then I started figuring out that almost every person who called me and complained about wide singles either had never driven with them or had limited experience at a company where they were forced to. They didn't make the choice to do it. And I think that changes people's opinions of many things. And I almost never get somebody, an owner-operator, who made the decision to switch to wide singles. I almost never get them as complainers or switching back. Every once in a while, somebody will say, well, I just didn't like them, and I switched back. But it's pretty rare. I was surprised to see Michelin's offering a guarantee. If you don't like them, they'll buy them back along with the rims and, and buy you to the duels, which I think is uh, really putting your money where your mouth is. But I really appreciated what they did for that. Uh, whoever the owner-operator that won that set of wheels and tires at the CMC. So I wanted to support them because they support uh, uh, basically our group. And um, Now, this, this lodger is going to be decked out, man. I went with the uh, Pittsburgh Power Dampener and Balancer. I know how important those are. going to have a made in American uh, dampener. And I uh, also went with the Pittsburgh Power Muffler, uh, fast fuel system, and the uh, fleet air filter. Um, can I be shooting forever eight in the T660? Yeah, I don't see why not. There, There's no reason that won't be an 8 to even a 9-mile-per-gallon truck once it gets dialed in. I'm expecting the 285 gears like we talked about uh, with the 13-speed, so I plan driving 55 to 60 with it and uh, just babying it. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Going to add the uh, – probably sell the Volvo with the Flow Blow on it. I'll just order a new kit. Probably go ahead and add that with the wheel covers. And uh, so – I can hardly wait. I'll keep you guys updated, but uh, I, I appreciate everything y'all do, and thanks for your time. Excellent. Sounds great. Can't wait to uh, to see the results when you get that thing on the road. You know, John, I, you with all your racing background, in racing, that's what you guys always do. You push everything to its limit. You know exactly what the limit is. And in trucking, we almost never do that, whether it's performance or handling or fuel mileage. We don't get that opportunity. That's why it was so much fun for me to get to go down to the track there at the Proving Grounds. Oh, that had to be. Uh, did they have the truck outfitted with the data system and everything, too? Did you get to look at any of that stuff? You know, we didn't. We we got to do a ton of different um, – we, we did the, the flooded oval track. And every track was fun. We got to do it in cars, too, because they have them set up, and they have cars set up to show different things. 
it was interesting on the oval track with the car, what they were showing us was when people replace two tires only, because on cars they tend to wear on the drive axle faster, the whole point of their test was to show you where you should mount the new tires if you're only going to do two. So they set up a car uh, with the two new tires on the front or the two new tires on the back and then sent you out on the track until you crashed. So it was uh, <laughs> kind of fun. And then we got fun. to do it in the truck too. Yeah, so there's the music. We're going to come right back and get to some more, more questions. Stick around. Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. Went from track to track, and we got to do it sometimes in cars. And then with the trucks, we got to do just some crazy stuff, stuff I would never do. Um, Wouldn't even come close to pushing the limits like that out on the road. But it was fun to be able to do it on the track in a controlled situation. They didn't have any real data loggers on anything that we were doing that day. So it was just the experience of, of what you got to see happen when you pushed it that far. Uh, oop, I don't have uh, – there we go. Ethan, uh, John. We're back. Oh, there we go. There we go. You went quiet Let's on us for the wrong there. button. With yeah. The dark side of the moon. Yeah. yeah. See how you are. All right. Know. Yeah. So I, I was telling stories, but uh, instead of doing that, we've got some questions. So let's head off to Denver. Daniel, welcome to the program. Uh, how you doing, Kevin? Um, Good. Listen, I was what I, what I wanted to, what I wanted to ask you about. I've got a '93 Freightliner FLD 120. Um, got a million hundred ten thousand miles on it, flat top. And um, to tell you the truth, it's just not don't have enough room for me. And my the guy I'm leased on with, a small company, he's got a 2005 Freightliner Classic, and um, just had a brand new transmission put in it last year. The engine's got like 300,000 miles on a rebuild. Um, tires look in pretty good shape. I don't know exactly everything I'd look for on this truck. Um, I've had my truck for 10 years. I haven't bought another truck since then, and I'm just not really sure what I'd look for. But also, the only thing, of course, being a 2005, it does have the EGR on it. Should I seek to possibly get that thing taken off? It's because that's the only emissions, I guess, on that truck. Or should I wait till it gives me any problems? What kind of problems does that usually give? Leroy, do you want to answer that one? Um, my opinion is I would probably 
just work with what you have until it gives you a problem and then uh see what the problem is. You probably don't need to take it off it once it's working properly, there it really doesn't affect any fuel economy or anything like that. Um okay. I would just work with what it has until it gives you a problem. When it gives you issues, that's when your fuel economy starts dropping because it's calibrated what? for EGR. So Okay, what kind of issues would it, would I be looking for? Um if the uh, the turbo's coughing or whatnot, that's a popular EGR issue. Um, the EGR valve's opening when it's not supposed to, or a sensor's causing it to stay open longer than it should. Um, I would most likely just uh, want to see it in a shop and give it a good bill of health before uh, I, you know, I take it out on the road, make sure everything's running right, make sure there's no major issues before you put a load behind it. Well, if I take it to a shop and get them to look at it, what should I get them to what, I mean, I'm not even sure what I'll get them to look for. Just put a... <laughs> Put a gauge or something on it to see what, what, how the engine's performing? Uh, with with the, the laptop, they should be able to get into uh, the diagnostic software, make sure all the sensors are reading correctly. And uh, on road right. tests, they should, have, they should have their own manuals, the technician manuals, to let them know if the EGR is working properly. We have them here. I'm sure that they have them there. They should be able to know if it's working properly or not. But, uh, you know, also look under the valve cover, make sure that you don't have any cracked rollers. We saw that one the other day, right, John? Yep. So make sure that you don't have anything under the valve cover that uh, you know could give you issues. But uh, mostly, you know, yeah, I, just I, uh, make sure the system's working right. I need to literally Can pull you, the valve cover off and look at it. Yeah, just do a visual inspection under the valve cover. Make sure you don't see anything uh, disastrous. Well, if it's a new yeah. truck to you, you ought to do the uh, you ought to do the overhead and uh, do a boost leak check on it immediately. And you know, if you could get it in here, that would be ideal. Yeah. Uh, we could look through any of the diagnostics, any stored codes. Uh, we could make sure everything's working, functioning properly, and you know we could we could do a little tuning on it as well for you while you're here. Not only that, Denver, it, it's, it's over 10 years old, so it needs a torsional damper and the mercury-filled engine balancer, and it needs one of our performance mufflers. Okay, and uh, if I could make it up that way. Um, just so I've got some money saved up. What kind of ballpark are we talking about to to do a check like that, and a muffler and everything like that? Just a ballpark. I'm not I'm not asking you. To, I'm not going to hold you to nothing. <laughs> what would you think? Well, we give that some thought. Well, it's okay. a muffler, the damper, and the balancer, and a muffler on it. Fourteen liter. You're probably parts and labor around the fourteen hundred. And right. I'm going to let you guys answer the on the emissions tune-up. Is he going to be at about to, it being it does not have a DPF? What do you think? We're yeah, it wouldn't be that bad. Probably like an hour or two, something like hour that. Hour or two there. Part. I'd say uh, two hours to do the overhead, and I'd love to run it over the dyno and just to give it a full systems check. So there's another uh, 375 on top of that. So it's so basically, about 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 basically thousand. So, so round it off to twenty five hundred dollars, and you should be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I, I would okay. say yeah, about twenty five hundred bucks, and we could give it a clean bill of health or not. You know, if, if you need more after that, then we'll then we'll talk then. Right. Of course, that's a long way to run it, and then not get a clean bill of health, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You may have that problem. You may have that problem somewhere anyway. Then, so who knows? At least then you know what you're dealing with. Where do you live? You said this truck is part of the company you're already leased to, correct? 
That's correct. What he's doing, he is going away from company drivers. He's only had a few, and he's had these trucks, and he this truck hadn't been on the road in three months because he's tired of trying to find drivers, and he's just basically so, hiring owner-operators now. And that was going to be my and question. So he, if it's been off the road, did, did they change the oil when they took it off the road? Because if it's still got some miles on the oil, you could pull a sample, which could tell us a few things as well. Oh, okay, okay. Um, now, uh, there's the Sap Brothers out here. They do an oil sample on it when they change. Is that a good enough kind of sample, or you need to see a literal sample, which is better? Yeah, I don't. I don't like the the bench top samples. I want it sent off to a full lab. Okay. Okay. And I guess I could call somebody back and find out how to do that. Yeah, real simple yeah, to do. Truck. I mean, we you can, you can order the kit from us. Just take the sample yourself. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something, Kevin. I don't like this truck because mine's always been pre-emission, and I like that. But this is a truck I feel like that I could. Um, I wouldn't mind spending some money on putting the you know oil filter, the OPC filter on it, and stuff like that. That because I if this truck checks out, I'll keep it from now on, and our long time. Well, you know, in the room in it, we're might. Yeah, you know, as, as far as the emissions, these guys are dragging me kicking and screaming into uh, the fact that they're they're getting a handle on this and they're making these engines run right. And that's that's all I've been asking for. Just somebody right. make these things run right, and then I won't have a problem with them. And and they've really come a long way. So I am starting to say when. You know, you find one of these, and it looks like a good truck, and you're willing to do all the stuff they just talked about and then stay up on it, and it's not that big of an expense. If you stay up on it with, with their maintenance program, it's really working out well. So, again, I'm, I'm kicking and screaming the whole way, but they're, uh, they're starting to bring me over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, let's try to squeeze one more in. Let's go to Oklahoma. Jared, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a What's uh, on your mind. Uh, six. I, I got a six NZ cat that we micro blued the whole motor. Did the whole glider kit when we built the truck. Micro blued. At a hundred thousand miles, we lost the number five piston. Assumed it was an oiler problem. Um, dropped the cylinder pack in. Changed all the oilers on it. Uh, ran it another 160,000 miles and lost number four and number two for basically the same thing. Is there any chance that we're not getting enough oil in the cylinder walls? We're having some kind of an issue with the rings or something because the pistons are just chewed up, completely chewed up. The oil samples, when you pull them before it, we're not showing anything showing up, and then all of a sudden, boom, the motor just goes down. Who did and the block the, preparation work? Who did the line bore and the upper counter bores? Um, it's actually a shop in McPherson, Kansas, that did the the stuff there. The, the Cummins, John Deere, um, they do all that stuff for for them. They did all the line bore. Okay. All right. And what's your line of protrusion, do you know? I don't know it right this second. No, I don't know. It okay. was checked by them, and, and everything is is supposedly correct. Okay. Is the, the scoring happening on the top 
of the liner or on the bottom of the liner where the packing no rings are? Hey, guys, we, we're, we're going to run out of time on this question, so we can either uh, try to get him back next week or or you probably want an answer on this pretty picture, so I'd recommend we get off the call here and uh, give them a call directly at Pittsburgh Power and try to track this down. The music snuck up on me. We're all out of time, so we'll do it again next week. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always. Hard work. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.